Welcome to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. Araya is an Emmy award-winning TV show host, producer, director, author, and so much more. In 1999, Araya was told she would never speak again after having her left vocal cord nerve removed during cancer surgery. But against the odds and facing adversity head on, she found her voice, literally. And now she uses it to tell great stories of hope and inspiration to help motivate entrepreneurs to earn more, live more, and give back more. Now, let's get celebritized. Now, here's your host, Araya McGarry. Hello again, and welcome to Get Celebritized. I'm your host, Araya McGarry, and I could not be more excited to bring you the king of positivity. And I know he doesn't want to be referred to as king, but he is the most inspirational, positive person you are ever going to meet. He is a former pastor, a forever missionary of positivity, keynote speaker and coach. He's the founder of the Vitalized Project and the Vitalized Podcast. He is flooding the world, the social media world and all of our worlds in person and via the internet with positivity and helping people smile more. And on top of that, if you can't tell, I'm excited to bring Marcus Black on the show right now. He is the, such an amazing heart, big hearted person and a philanthropist. And you know, philanthropists are my favorite people. So I'm going to be quiet and bring Marcus Black up to the stage. Welcome. Ooh, Marcus. Hello, 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 my friend. All of my friends. I'm so excited, elated, and ecstatic to be joining you. Thank you for having me in your powerful community. Just to be able to spend a little bit of time. So I'm excited. Get your seatbelt on, buckle up. It's going to be an incredible <laughs> ride. Marcus, I'm so excited for everybody to meet you. And what I love too, you know, I know you from Clubhouse. I've heard you speaking on Clubhouse for probably two years now. You're one of the, what we call the OGs, the originals. And every time you come to the stage, you light it up. You have great things to say. You empower us. You inspire us. I'm like, who is this Marcus Black? And, you know, you were up for an award recently. We're going to talk about that in a second. But when I went to do my homework on you, Marcus, I love that on your website, and just let me just put that right up here now, that mblackspeaks.com, Marcus Black Speaks, you talk to us like you're, we're your family. You have that welcome to my family. You're part of the family. Browse around. Here I am. So tell us a little bit about who you are, Marcus, for those few people that may not have ever heard of you before. Man, that is an incredible question. And uh, <laughs> who is Marcus Black, right? Uh, ultimately, I'm just a guy. I'm a guy from very humble beginnings. As a matter of fact, uh, I am no stranger to trauma, having gone through quite a bit of that in my childhood. Uh, my parents both fought to do the best they could, but just struggling to cope with the realities they faced in Mississippi, in poverty, in a place where there was all type of racial tension, and my dad being biracial himself, it just created a lot of internal traumas and caused him to try to fill the void with anything but what he should have been trying to fill that void with, which was alcohol, which was gambling. These are the choices he chose. And so because of that, enter me, little Marcus, into the world in, in that environment. So it led to a lot of 
difficulties coming up a lot of like sometimes living like a third world country in this country you know no wow. electricity no food and it wasn't that way for like prolonged periods of time but it was just moments it was moments and it was difficult and everything was a struggle and a fight and a battle and so then on top of all of that i started like struggling with crippling debilitating anxiety at age nine and i wish i could tell you it was just a one done wham bam thank you man but unfortunately it wasn't it was a recurring nightmare that would go on to haunt me literally for many years before i learned how to get that in check but so now you got this you got trauma you got on top of trauma on top of anxiety on top of verbal abuse and i'm just trying to find my way in this big cold world and then it happened and it meaning my wake-up call and my wake-up call came in the form of a dance with death i always tell people death and mm -hmm. i did the tangle and i the tango and i lived to tell about it so spoiler alert i'm still here but that situation left me reeling and re wondering why why me why did i go through all of this why am i even still here what is the point? What is the why, why, why? So I kept asking this question and I wrestled with God for a couple of years before I had landed and realized you're never going to get an answer to that question it's because the entire time I had been asking the wrong question. The question was never why me, but the question was always what for? Not why me, but what for? What is it for? because your pain has a purpose if you will open your mind to it and realize and then you can give that pain meaning by serving others and helping them because someone sits in the seat in which you sat and they don't see their way past it so if you ask me who i am i'm just a guy from humble beginnings from the mud that fought tooth and nail to figure out what this life is all about to try to give it meaning and I promised God that since you kept me, I don't know why you kept me, but I'm going to spend the rest of my days pouring my heart and soul out into blessing others, uplifting others, serving others all my days. And this is uh, the result of that promise and that commitment I made. Marcus, you're perfect person to be on the show, perfect person to be in my life now. So glad to actually get to meet you now as well. There's so much there to unpack because my listeners and viewers love meeting people like you. And you're very uh, also rare in a way that you came, you danced with death and now you're not just positive. You are like extremely positive. You extremely leave, live every single day with that positive attitude, bigger than life, not just, well, I'm going to make it through today. You really just bust open every day with this amazing attitude. So uh, you said you're an open book. So let's unpack a little bit about um, a couple of things. Were you an only child? And then when you hit that anxiety at nine, I know that anxiety and mental health is such an important topic now after pandemic more than ever. Can you tell us a little bit about what a nine-year-old anxiety was feeling like and how you did get through that? Absolutely. So um, number one, I'm the oldest of three boys, but I am six years and seven years elder than my brothers. So for all, the longest while, it was just my mom and I, while my dad was off, like, finding himself. My brothers were born, and probably when they were four and five was when it was at its worst. So my preteen, mm -hmm. early adolescent, mid-teenage age is where things were, like, really, really bad. And so that is my age. So nine years old, I'm sitting in a room playing a video game with one of my best friends, game I played millions of times. 
think nothing of it. It's 2D, two-dimensional. We're talking the 90s here. <laughs> and, <laughs> and my video game character one time died that famous video game death. And I literally saw him hit the ground and I saw his body lifeless. And I cannot describe to you what happened in that moment other than it was like as all of a sudden I got sucked into a vacuum and I felt myself zoom out of reality. And all of a sudden things went black. My heart was racing. I felt extremely uncomfortable. And I literally pictured myself in that moment being buried alive. I pictured myself ceasing to exist, dying and dirt covering my coffin as I left this earth. And I just like was hyperventilating and I couldn't breathe. And I was trying, I couldn't like find myself back to reality. And my friend who was also 10 was panicking. What is happening? He goes and grabs my mom and she's shaking me. And before finally... All the breath fills back into my lungs. And she was like, baby, what is wrong? What is wrong? And my mom was always the type to keep it real. And all I did with my little nine-year-old eyes was look up at her and ask, mommy, am am I going to die? And she said, yes, baby, you are. She said, but not for a very long time. And, uh, you know, that was enough to comfort me in the moment. But that nightmare was one that replayed on a loop in my mind for many years of this extreme fear of death and losing my life and i've come to realize that a large part of that was because of the the reality that i faced so my biggest fear became like dying before ever living wow what do you what's your thought then on video games for children because that was like that came really real for you is that do you have a different perspective on games now for kids before we get into how you did actually have a dance with death i don't i don't i don't really have a perspective because i feel like that was always a part of my journey oddly enough because it wasn't it wasn't mortal Kombat and something like it wasn't extremely graphic it was like i said there was no blood it was just a normal and the guy gets up when it's done. But for, uh-huh. but I do feel like that was divinely a part of that my story true. and my trajectory because that goes into part act two of this situation. And so I don't really feel any type of way. Yeah. I think there actually can be good for kids, honestly, because we live in a technological age. And so it's kind of like obviously within limits and boundaries. But my son can already like he's getting into the basics of coding and he's seven. Nice. So, wow. Oh, yeah. That's he's probably already too late. I mean, yeah, you know, they do it at three now. It's like crazy, but it's needed because my generation certainly was not even brought up with computers or social media. So I'm all for that as well. But you know, it's really interesting. You say it wasn't like anything like Mortal Kombat. It was just you know a video game. So that was like your moment in time. God had it allow just that. It was almost like a just like a surreal moment just for you that wasn't something that, oh my gosh, you should have been playing that gory zombie like they are now or something 3D virtual where you're in the whole thing. It was much more simplistic, but that was your moment. So tell us where that led to, because you said you danced with death. What do you mean yeah, by that? Yeah, so from that moment at nine, I catered my life to that fear. So I was the safest kid you'd ever meet. Like oh, my wow. friends used to do crazy things and I would not. They would climb trees. They would jump off of the house. They would ride bikes. They would skateboard. Nope, nope, nope. They would swim in the lake. Nope, nope. They would ride roller coasters. Nope. I didn't do anything because I was already overly concerned with preserving my life. Like I don't have a, 
there's one scrape on my entire body from my childhood. And that came from a crazy other bizarre story for another day. But the oh point my is gosh. like, I don't have any of those crazy scars or scrapes or bumps or bruises because I was so overly concerned with protecting my life until age 18. I was, it was a random regular routine night. I had been at church with a youth group and we decided to do a youth group outing. And so we filled up a van, a 15 passenger van, and we were getting ready to head out. And there were some little kids just before we left, they ran up to the van and they had the big puppy dog eyes. And they're like, we want to go, but there was no more room to go. So my friend who was the pastor's son was like, it's okay. Uh, we were older. I was 18. So we were seniors in high school. And I said, you know what? Um, we can, we can drive. They can ride the van. So we go, we go, we have a great time. Battle of the bands in Memphis, Tennessee. It was incredible. And then we're on the way home. I'm like, I don't want to take too much time with this story. Read the book because that story in itself is bizarre. So I have a book. We'll talk about it later. What's the name of it? It's called Asleep at the Wheel, Taking Back Control of Your Life. Okay, I saw that. Okay, so this that's what it's about. Okay, I'm going to get that book. I put your website up again, too. Go ahead. Yeah, so that, listen, that story is how where God became very real to me. But on the back end of it. We're headed home. And in that moment, I remember dozing off, which is cool because I'm not driving. I heard what literally likened to be one of the loudest explosions I ever heard in my life. It was like, boom, and I was startled out of my sleep. So I open my eyes and I look up and ask my friend, yo, what is happening? That's a sound you never want to hear in a vehicle on a highway at 75 miles per hour. And he said, I don't know. And next thing you know, all of a sudden the car started jumping, shaking, fish tailing. And then next thing I know, we are flying off of the highway, Dukes of Hazard style, nearing a bridge down into a massive median. And that was like the fastest, slowest moment of my life. Like my head was slinging back and forth into the car. Trees were slapping me in the face. Glass was slapping me in the face. We literally knocked down about six trees before finally, boom, we hit a massive tree. And finally, the car came to a halt. And I sat there with my eyes closed, afraid at what I would see when I opened because I lost one of my best friends on the planet not two years prior, about a year and a half prior in a car accident on a back road going half the speed. So all I knew was that I was gonna open my eyes and what I saw was gonna be the end. And in that moment, I had a revelation, a startling revelation. And that is your worst nightmare has come true. You are about to die without having ever lived. Oh my gosh because I catered my life to the, I wasn't living. And so I liken that to walking dead. I was like AMC walking dead because I wasn't doing anything. It's not living. So I literally had already allowed the enemy to win because I was already not living. Right. Allowing that fear to control me. And so, like I said, spoiler alert, all four of us walked away from that which does not make sense. The The details of that story, we had to push, like the car was accordioned in, scrunched in, steel wow. was combined. We couldn't get out. It was smoking. There was gas everywhere. I thought it was going to explode. Maybe I watched too much Dukes of Hazzard. <laughs> uh, make watch too many, you know, Fast and Furious movies. So I'm just waiting on that car to explode. And, you know, one of my friends couldn't breathe. So we're carrying him about 25 feet up the side of a highway because we're down in a ditch. And we get to the top of the hill and there's a huge pickup truck there and there's a man running towards us. And he's a doctor who just gotten off his ship and I'm off his shift at the hospital. 
he had all of the tools to check us out and had already called now. I mean, just the details of that story are bizarre, wow. but we lived. Amen. And that is where I started to ask the question, like, there's got to be more. There has to be more meaning. And that is that served as my wake up call that, listen, your life is fragile and your life is a gift. And we spend way too much of it worrying about that which we cannot control, obsessing over things we can't control, literally living and replaying past traumas on a loop and worrying about things we cannot control in the future. And it takes our life from us and we cater our life to fear and we cater our life to the opinions of others. We cater our life to everything else other than our mission and our purpose. And that is when I determined that I'm I am supposed to be here as a vessel to wake up the world and not let you throw your life away, not let you take it for granted. I threw away 10 years. I can't get back. Mm-hmm. But I, I promise I'm going to make every moment count now. And that's why I live every day that forward, that positive, because if I'm going to go out of here, I'm going to go. I'm going to make it count. I'm making every moment count because I'm out with a bang. To, was that when you decided um, to become a pastor? Because I know in, in your bio it says former pastor. So was that your eye-opening moment? Did you go that route first? And now you're in, because now you're podcasting, inspirational speaking, and doing all the things. And we're going to talk about your charity work in a moment. So tell us what that bang moment did for you. You went from that ditch to where right after that? I went from that ditch into a place no one ever wants to go. I, I tell you. It was a wake up call, but I wish I could tell you that you just wake up and then life changes. Like you yeah. could hear our voices today and decide your life will never be the same because you're going to go serve others big, whole, full. <laughs> but it doesn't happen overnight. No. And so I knew I wanted to help and serve people. I had no idea how. Okay. So I went on a 10 year journey. So by the time I got my revelation that there was more, that was about age 20. And from about 2019 or 20 to about 27, 28, I was just like in the wilderness. So where I went from there was to the wilderness. I was out just lost, trying to figure it out. I got married in that time. Beautiful woman. I'm still married to. We just celebrated 10 years. We got two baby boys, but we didn't know. Like she comes from trauma. I come from trauma. We didn't know how to do that. We didn't know how to be married. We didn't know how to build a family. We didn't know how to break cycles. So we was just trying and banging our heads against the wall. And I'm like, God, I just want to help people. I just want to make good on the promise I had for you. But there were no open doors, no opportunities. There were no resources. We almost wound up homeless in that time frame. There was a time where my little baby was newly born and we didn't have any money, any resources. I lost my temporary job for no fault of mine. So there's no income. We can't pay rent. We don't have anywhere to go. And I can't even feed my six month old son who is looking up at me and my wife with tears in her eyes. So I share this. Why do I share this so transparently? Because somebody is sitting in the seat that I used to sit, not seeing a way past it and thinking about throwing in the towel. And I tell you, don't you dare throw in the towel because I had a person, I was sharing these stories one day and a lady stopped me and she said, okay, you come from horrible beginnings. not even humble beginnings. She said, you come from horrible beginnings, but you're literally a walking success story. You're living in the abundance and the fullness of God's plan for you now. So how did you get from there to here? What happened in the middle? And before I knew it, all the hair on my arm stood up and I yelled and I said, the magic is in the middle. 
said because so many times we think about arriving we think about the destination the journey is the destination i would not be who i am i would not have the depth i have i wouldn't be able to relate to so many and to touch so many and to relate to so many if it were not for the pain and i'll tell people i liken that middle season to the wilderness but some crazy things happened in the wilderness you see I learned to proverbially hunt in the wilderness. I learned to fish and gather in the wilderness. I learned to create shelter in the wilderness. There were some tools that were put into my tool belt in the wilderness. And from that place, God was able to take me. And now I'm ready to be used to impact a lot of people because of what happened in the middle. I love that you said that because I'm always saying you don't arrive. You, you're going to be in the middle of doing your journey and your legacy when you take your last breath. And I always pray, God, I want to be totally used up when I die. That means it's never going to be a point when you arrive, you sit back and eat bonbons. You're going to keep on going until that last breath. So good for you. All right. Now, some of the people that are maybe listening don't know what this success looks like. Tell them a little bit where you are now, the things you're enjoying now. This middle part that you're still, we're both still in the middle because we both know where there's not an arrival point. It's what's next, God. What's next? Let's keep moving. You're a philanthropist. You're a successful business owner. So give us some of the good news now to give everyone hope. So I give you the last bit of that story, how I got here. So at the end of that season, I found myself really learning that I had more than I ever thought I had to offer, getting promoted in the corporate world, getting opportunities to be in leadership teams, but it just didn't feel fulfilling. It felt empty and I felt like I wasn't doing what I was called to do. And next thing you know, my wife and I go to visit this church one day and I promise you, it was like the Disney world of churches. It was so big, 50 foot ceilings, banners hanging down, happy feelings in the air. There were happy people everywhere. And the first thing that literally hit my heart and my soul was like, man, it would be so cool to be able to work at a place like this one day. But then I immediately brought myself into reality and said, that'll never happen. It's funny how you dash your own dreams. That's like human nature to yeah. do that. And it's kind of good to hear that's not only just women. Because I deal with a lot of women. I thought, that's is that a girl thing? And it's not because you thought the same thing. So I said, it'll never happen. And, and one year later, I was sitting in front of the executive pastors receiving an offer to become full-time vocational ministry. And, and I said to them, like, this doesn't make sense. Like, I don't understand. I'm not qualified. I didn't go to school for this. I went to school for psychology, family systems. And they said, son, you have the only credential you need. And that is a heart for God and his people. And so, of course, I went through this like after that program and became the process of becoming ordained and all of that. So it was just an amazing season. But I found myself at the end of that season feeling like still isn't it. Still more. Like I'm close, but not quite. I felt like I was on a parallel road. Like this is good. But it wasn't my heart and what I really felt I was on the planet to do. I remember the day I was sitting in my office looking out the windows, a huge outreach. There were thousands of people, families from the community. We had this huge carnival where we fed them and there were gifts and treats and just serving the community. And I remember thinking, like, as beautiful as this is, as many people come through here and get served every week, as powerful as this is, what about the people who ain't never coming here? 
What about the people who've already written off God? What about the people who said that's not for me or they've been hurt by people? They've been hurt by people who represent God. They've been hurt or they just don't believe at all. And they just say that's not for me. And that's I'm like, what about them? Do they not need love? Do they not need care? Do they not need hope? Do they not need inspiration? Do they not need someone to wrap their arms around them? And then the the question popped into my mind, who's going to do it? And I was like, I don't know who that's going to be. Hey, looking around. Mm-hmm. I felt it in my soul that it was supposed to be you, son. And I'm like, I can't do that. And God was like, you can. It's not about you. It's not your strength that you walk in. It's mine. And so I fasted and I prayed and I fasted and I prayed. And I was like, man, I got it good. That church had mega plans for me. They compensated me well. They took care of my family. We got all types of benefits and vacation. I mean, it was like the gravy train situation like and i walked away from all of that all the stability and because i knew that i'm supposed to go and build something that does not yet exist to reach people who need it most who don't care what's happening in the four walls of a church and so i took that leap of faith and i left my job and i asked my wife like and she was on board and it got really tough and I started working for a local nonprofit just to make a little bit of money serving inner city kids and youth. And within that season is when I decided I'm going for everything God placed in my heart. I'm not holding nothing back. I'm not playing small. I reached out to, I, I took time and I researched who my favorite speaker was. I found him. He was a man that just so happened to have about 15 to 20 million followers online and was doing everything I wanted to do all over the world, selling out arenas worldwide, globally. Like, and I said, I want to be where he is. So I reached out and said- And who was that? Trent Shelton was his name, Mr. Trent Shelton. And I said, man, I want to I want to be where you are. I said, I, I see who you are. I see what you represent, what you stand for. I admire it greatly. Can I get in your presence? Can I come and to your next event? I'll pay my own way. I'll sow a seed into your ministry. I'll sweep floors. I'll move tables and chairs. I just need to be in the presence of greatness to learn what this looks like because I believe I'm meant to do this at some capacity in the world as well. And his assistant reached out to me and said, yo, just going to let you know he's very selective who he spends his time with. He does not take on a lot of clients. It's not about money for him. He So don't get your hopes up but I'll run it by him. I said, please do. She ran it by him. He said, let's work. I love his heart. I love the way he reached out, how he approached. That opened so many doors. He poured everything into me. He gave me the entire blueprint. And from there, it was him. I wound up working with Les Brown. Next thing you know, I got in a car accident. Another one. I've been in a lot of car accidents. Gosh. I feel like somebody really doesn't want me on the plane. <laughs> I was just none in of one. These are, None of these are no fault of mine, by the way. Right, right. Hey, I get you. I've been in one just a couple weeks ago. No So, fun. you know, it's like, man, somebody's really trying to take me off the map. But, you mm-hmm. know, I find myself know healing. And on the phone with Les Brown, as he calls me, it's like, son, are you are you healing? Are you resting up? Are you okay? And I'm like, how is this my reality? How is it the people that I looked up to the most when I was in that wilderness season, the people that I was watching, the people who were pouring into me are now people that I have an opportunity to connect with on a regular basis, to serve with, to speak with, to like on the stage. Like, so I'll get to travel the world. I'm about to go to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina this month. I'm in Houston next month. I got Denver this June. I got Bali, just put that, Bali, Indonesia on the books in September. And we're working on London. Just literally the details will be finalized. That'll likely be in July. But I get to do 
everything I set out to do, which is travel the world, pour into people and to be able to see the world and use my story to help others. I have given getting all type of accolades. I'm a best-selling author. The podcast has listeners in over 50 countries. Yeah, like when you ask me what success looks like every single day, I get to wake up full of joy, full of zest, full of vigor to pour my heart and soul out and to get to serve others and share the story and teach others to share the story and teach others yeah. how to leverage their voice and their gift and their relationships to create massive impact. Like uh, I never dreamed this would be possible, but God did. God knew that. And, I, you know, you were talking about who am I to do this? You know, I'm not qualified. God doesn't want your ability. He wants your availability anyway. And you have that. Just your availability, not your ability. He doesn't need your abilities because he will give you what you need. You need that willing heart like your your pastors and church are saying. And I love that you wanted to go outside the church as well because I love doing that as well. So here, my listeners and viewers know I do, do something very special on this show is I dig even a little deeper because you've got this great middle place where you are now. You're not back in the beginning. You're not where you're going to be five, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. You got a lot more to do. But now you're in the midst of being a part of the world of your mentors and people that you looked up to. And I'll probably have some some questions like, okay, well, how did you reach out to them? How did that happen? We know it's God's grace. We know it's God put you in the right places, but they love those little juicy stories. Well, like you just said, when you reached out, the assistant said, don't get your hopes up. And then God does the, and then some, but now you're with Les Brown and some other people. Give us some tips on how you do that. Is that a phone call? Is this social media reaching out? And who are the, some of the people, other people that are in your life now that you literally said, I did this. And then they showed up. But like I said, is it phone calls, emails? Give us a little bit of some nuts and bolts. So I wouldn't ever tell anybody there's one way. I tell mm -hmm. you that um, success happens when opportunity and preparation collide. So your job is to be prepared right right now. And then when the opportunity arises, you got to seize the moment. So it's been different. I have been so many people I looked up to have found myself. So I'll give you three examples. There was Trent Shelton, who I had been following for over 10 years before we connected. And him, it was social media because he's very active and he doesn't have an account manager. There's no people running his account. If you ever get a message from him, it's him. And I knew that because I had been following him. So I reached out to him in the DM, but I knew his assistant's name because I see her on his social media. So I tagged her too. I put both of them on. Because if he didn't see it, she that. was going to see it. And I knew that. And I addressed her by name in the message. So now she's saying, OK, well, let me read this. This guy, I'm not just a computer clerical. I'm a person. Mm -hmm. And this guy values me. And so she made sure that he got the message to open the door through social media. And that's what we always say, don't we, Mark, when we're on Clubhouse, we say DM with purpose. Don't just say, hi, you know how people do that. It means nothing to us because so many people reach out to you now, Marcus, and to all of us just saying, hi, hi. It's like, no, reach out with purpose. And you said something I want everybody to make sure they, they get this. You reached out, you watched his social media, you studied him, you enjoyed him, you were educated in him. And there was a reason why you wanted to reach out. You knew his assistant by name, you used that. So you came to him as an educated fan, let's say, or an educated person reaching out for more insight, not just, hey, gimme, gimme, gimme. It was so much more 
you know, much better. Well done. That's a sentence there. But yeah, I love that. Keep going. Thank you. And I offered to give something. He said yes. that separated me in the beginning because everybody was asking for something. Mm. Nobody was asking to give him something. And Look so there. that instantly separated me. So then you fast forward. I'm on Clubhouse and Les Brown pops up. I don't know him. I have no connection to him. And he he titles his room, you know, 60 seconds to inspire me in 2021. And I'm like, well, I'm I'm an inspirational individual, so I think I can do that. So, of course, you can imagine there's like 500 people in that room and no shortage of a line of people who wanted to come and do that. So for him, I waited, I kid you not, over 12 hours in that room for my opportunity. And so I felt like Hamilton. I'm not throwing away my shot. So the opportunity came in that he just popped up on Clubhouse. My preparation was that people don't know this. I have been making 60 seconds short videos. You can check my Instagram. I've been doing that for years. So I had honed that crap down to give you a whole keynote in 60 seconds. And so when he called, I was ready. And now all I had to do was wait. And a lot of times I thought about saying, man, he's never going to come to me. They're going to end this room. I would have spent my whole day. It was 2 p.m. when that room started. I spoke to him just about 2 a.m. Honestly, he had fallen asleep, but he woke back up and he heard me. And when he heard me, I gave him my heart and soul. I might have took 120 seconds since I waited 12 hours. As you should. <laughs> but next thing you know, he said, I want to invest in you, son. You have a rare gift and an ability. And I, and so normally you don't know, like, if people are just being nice or if that's real. So I'm like, well, you know, I'm just going to take his word for it. I joined this program. And next thing you know, like he started reaching out to me and his son connected me and gave me a cell phone number. And next thing you know, we're having calls and we're talking about life. And, you know, uh, it just but the point is how I got there was I waited for that moment, that opportunity. And when the opportunity came, I seized that opportunity. Same thing. So Eric Thomas is the hip hop preacher. I love him. One of my favorite speakers of all time. Guy's ridiculous. And I just happened to know that I met his assistant on Clubhouse, his person who runs all his social media. And she said, Eric does a room every Monday at before a.m. your time. But if you get up, I'll make sure you get to talk to him. Opportunity. Mm hmm. So I got myself up at 3.30, and as soon as that room went live, I jumped in, and she did exactly what she said, was put me in front of one of the people who, when I was at my lowest moment, got me through. And I was able to share that with him. But he was able to hear my voice and my power and pour into me and recognize yeah. the gift. Now the people that I have looked up to and and literally like just been so honored to follow are now like peers and colleagues yeah. and we're serving together. Marcus, you're saying so much. I don't even realize you understand the power impact you're making right now, too. I deal with a lot of people. And you just said a whole mouthful when you said, seize the moment. You were prepared. The, the preparation, meeting opportunity, all this stuff that everybody knows. And they know that's the way it is. And then here you are in living color doing this. Not only did you wait for your moment, but then you had to wait some more, another 12 hours. You know how many people would have hopped off after an hour? I remember those rooms. I was probably in that room because I remember the less the less brown um room for that. So you you think after four hours you would people would hop to 
poured off. And I, you know, they did. Not only that, but then here's the kicker, because people have just said this to me, because now they're on Clubhouse, we deal with lots of different time zones, right? And we can't do a masterclass or, you know, I do boot camps and trainings, and we can't do one that's going to be perfect time for everyone around the world. And when you get people that say, well, you know, I'll try, but 7 a.m. is really early my time. It's like, how bad do you want it? And 7 a.m., really? You were up at 2.30. Our newscasters are up at 2.30, 3.30. How bad do you want this moment in time? You know, stay up all night, wait for 12 hours, and you just, just brought it home for me. You wanted it bad enough to say, I don't care what time it is, and not upon, that's 2.30, I can't get up. You're probably up a half an hour before that, brush teeth, ready to go, even though they can't see you. You were ready to make that impression, still realizing it may not happen, but if it doesn't happen, it's okay. But it's not going to happen if I don't get up and show up. You can't win our game, you're not willing to play. That's right. You got to show up, got to show up to go up. And you're so an example of that. And now I want to talk before we have to close up. This is such a great conversation. You really do give everyone help that, you know, if you do give the extra mile, the and then some stop thinking of all the reasons why you can't, it's not going to be you. It's probably won't happen. All right. Think those things, but don't follow up with those things. Do it anyway. Feel the fear, feel the insecurity, do it anyway, because you never know. And it might not be the right opportunity for five other people, but it's your opportunity. That was your moments. And everybody has them. We just have to not give up. Imagine if you got off that clubhouse room after 11 and a half hours. You know, I you could say, and you didn't, you were determined. So with that, you're also a philanthropist and we all have come to you. So, I mean, in such a big way, I was so impressed with all of the friends from Clubhouse, not just voting for you, investing in you, buying more tickets, doing what we had to do, because this went to a good cause. So tell us as we close up, close up, going to have to have you back because you're going to be doing even bigger things. And I want the world to keep watching you and knowing you because you help the world. You, um, We were voting for you for the Cheer Choice Award. Tell us about that because it helps children. And you know, I just love nonprofits and children so much. So that was founded. The Cheer Choice Awards was founded by another organization called Spread the Cheer USA, a registered nonprofit. And it was founded by actually a social media influencer who said, I'm tired of us receiving bad rap. I'm tired of everybody acting like we're just mindless people making videos, dancing or creating drama in the world or brainwashing your children like we can use our platforms for good. What if I gathered a bunch of powerful influencers and we were able to use our platforms collectively to raise funds to go and give to families in need? And so she created ways to do that. And then she created the Cheer Choice Awards where they twofold. They highlight influencers who are doing the work, who are using their platforms for positivity, for something that matters. And then we all leverage our platforms to bring awareness to this charity. And so people, we it was a contest that was popped by fan vote, but people could purchase extra votes. And those extra votes went to this organization and the families they were able to provide meals yeah. for Thanksgiving and the kids they were able to provide Christmas for. And so it's like every dollar was like influencers saying, we're going to do our part to make sure that you get the care you need, the love you need, and we're going to spread the cheer. So it's an incredible organization. 
I'm honored that they selected me. I was nominated for this award by someone. You made it I- all the way, Marcus, too. We don't know where you ended up. We won't know till April. It'll be in Vegas. We cannot wait. But you were in the top one, then two, then one. So you have us on pins and needles because we know you are a finalist, as you should be, because you have such an inspirational um, uh, influence over all of us and all your friends. Everybody came out because you were the guy that will come out for everybody else. We really know your heart, and I just pray you win. But you've already won because you've done so much for them. So either way, no matter what happens, you have won this. The children are winners because of this. And I love when people who have them influence it, use it for good, which goes to this entire show, Marcus. Earn more like the rappers, like whatever your calling is, however you make your money, great. Earn more so you can live more. Just like you were saying, Marcus, you weren't living. You were just trying to not die. That's not living. So you can live more so you can give back more. And here you are giving back more. You just need to be the poster child for my Get Celebritized podcast because there it is in a nutshell, everyone. I can stop doing shows now. This was it. This is the perfect example. So where does it go from now as we close up in the next few minutes? Where are you going now? Where can people find you to do more good in the world? And what is your legacy, Marcus? How do you want to be remembered? Man, I want when my days are done and I stand before my maker and people are checking out the content, I want it to be said that that is a person who gave everything he had Mm -hmm. to helping the world heal from the brokenness that they've suffered and waking them up to the power and the potential that exists with inside every individual. And so that's what's next for me. I'm spending every day doing that via podcast. If you have a podcast, feel free to reach out via, I'm writing my next book now. I'm helping clients write books. I'm coaching people on speaking and how to get their voice out. And then I'm just traveling all over, being able to take my wife some cool places, my kids to expose them to some things and light up some stages. ultimately wake up souls so that they can go and live their potential and they can live more so they can give more. That's what it's all about. I love it. Tell us the name of your podcast as well. I know it's in the back when kids are listening and not watching. Yeah, it's called the Vitalize Podcast, V-I-T-A-L-I-Z-E, which means to give life to. So everything I'm about is giving life. That word hit me like a ton of bricks. I didn't even know what it meant. But once I found out, I was like, nothing epitomizes me more. So check that out. Uh, I also host an event with my business partner and dear friend, Ashley Faye Brandstetter. It's called Embrace Your Ambition. It's a faith-based business, personal development conference all in one. So you can uh, reach out to me if you want details about this in June. It'll be June 1st through the 4th in Denver, Colorado. So we're going to have some fun there. It's going to be powerful. uh, And I want to come. Come on, girl. Come on. Like Rachel came last time. It it really is like we've had Trent speak. We've had some really incredible people speak like uh, Devin Steele spoke, who I don't if you guys don't know him. He's former NFL player, one of the biggest child cancer advocates after he left his career as a star, as an NFL all star. He quit his career to help his four year old daughter fight for her life of stage four cancer. He came and spoke. I mean, like. It, we just are blessed that God is opening doors, forming connections, and we're going to keep fighting. I'm Everything I do is in service to the greater good of humanity so I can make good on that promise I made God. You kept me here, so I made it count. <laughs> I love it. You know, everybody's just, you're like my long lost brother because I always pray ever since I've had my cancer. And, you know, my dad was murdered by the mafia and I just escaped domestic violence. All the things, Marcus, we go through. And through my life, I've always just wanted 
And I tell, this is like the last line of my book too. When I die, I want God to be able to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, we'll do all the things, whatever you want. We have good days and bad days, but at the end of it all, I want to be able to say, well done. And we do everything with our heart and for the right reasons. We'll mess up. We'll, you know, we have, you know, like I said, we get good days and bad days, but we're doing it with the right heart. God knows our heart. And with that, he can say, well done. And just help as many people as we can. You are so doing that, Marcus. I encourage everyone to become your friend because you are everyone's friend. Literally, we can reach out to you and it'll be like, we've known you forever. You're that type of person. I hope everybody will listen to your podcast. It's so inspiring. It's so uplifting. Everybody should listen to it just every single morning. Start your day with your podcast because it will light you up. And just like you, Marcus, you don't just wake up in the morning, get out of bed. You just, you know, implode and just, you know, break down all the barriers and there you are. Look out devil, he's awake type of day, you know? And I love that. I want to know more about the June event. I want to know more about everything you do. We are now friends for life because once you're my friend, I'm there forever unless you kick me out of your life, which I hope you never do. <laughs> and whatever you're doing, I want to help and support and help everybody else listening and watching who do the same because you're just a great person to know. Marcus, last words advice for anyone that might be saying, okay, this all sounds good, but I'm still in a dark place. Leave us with some good words of encouragement, inspiration for those that are still in the dark place. Listen, the words that revolutionized and changed the game for me was a quote that came from Mr. James Baldwin himself. And he said, it took me many years of vomiting up all of the filth that I have been taught about myself and even have believed before I was able to walk about the earth as though I had a right to be here. And I made the hair on my arm stand up because I realized in reading his words that I belong here. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, you belong here. And nobody is more significant than you. Nobody is better than you. Nobody's life matters more than yours. And when you realize that, it causes you to wake up and move differently. So I'll tell you this. If you've ever put together a puzzle, I want you to imagine with me a thousand piece puzzle. That's a lot. That's time, labor intensive. It takes a lot to put together this thousand piece puzzle. But let's say you got to the very end and you spent days doing this and you finally finish and you get to the end and you're missing one piece. You know how devastated you would be, how distraught you would be, how frustrated you would be. You spent all that time for the picture to never be complete. And the first time I ever thought of that analogy, it hit me like a ton of bricks, my friend. I say to you, life is the puzzle and you are the piece. And without you in it, the picture will never be complete. Oh my God. So if you find yourself struggling and questioning your greatness and your purpose, and if you got something to give, listen to me tell you, it's your piece that completes the puzzle. So believe and receive it on that and go make every single day count because you can. I love y'all. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, because you can. Show us your tattoo. That is your saying, because you can. Um, I, I have no words. There it is, because you can, your motto, because you can. Marcus, I'll never think of puzzles in the same way. I am a big puzzle person, you didn't even know that. That just hit home, I just got goosebumps. On that note, there's nothing else better I can say to close this show, except thank you, Marcus, for sharing your time and your inspiration and your life 
and your legacy with all of us. Thank you. We're not done with you yet either. I know you'll be back. Thank you all for listening and watching to Get Celebritized. You do matter. Go out, earn more, live more so you can give back more. Bye for now. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry. We hope this episode inspires you to earn more, live more, and give back more. To learn more about Araya, visit her website, arayamagarry.com. And make sure to follow her at Araya McGarry Productions on Instagram. And join her on Clubhouse at Celebritize Your Business. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to Get Celebritized with Araya McGarry.